from Virginia Beach, Virginia, weighing in at 242 pounds, the vastly popular Magnum T. Bay. Accompanied tonight by Baby Doll, a perfect 10, Tully Ledger. All right, this week we're going to start off by talking about something I think that people in North America are unaware of. Well, first of all, in Canada, our Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving is on a different day, which is kind of strange because both of them are based on the same like Christian principles. But I believe I've been outside of North America for a long time now. Thanksgiving is now for you, right, Jim? Like it's coming up or it's just passed? Yeah, it's, com- yeah, it's coming up later in the month. I see. And in Canada, it's like, a, I believe, a month later. Right. Yeah, I think I think so. Right. There, there's a difference of a month there. But here in Japan, first of all, we don't have a solidified concept of God, and so then that makes Thanksgiving a little bit difficult because who are you or what are you giving thanks to? And so <laughs> I don't think anybody here really knows much about Thanksgiving. So how would you describe the Thanksgiving holiday? And traditionally, what has it meant for you and your family? Like, what do you do in practice? So Thanksgiving, oddly, has always been really big for me like when i was growing up like my mm-hmm. like there's generally one central house that like all the members of your family of of the previous generation i think it's starting to dwindle a little bit with our generation and under but the previous generation right. like i remember there was like i don't know like 20 people at my house and it was a huge meal of turkey and cranberry and mashed potatoes and then you know once my mom passed away, all the holidays just stopped at my house. And then when I started dating my wife, my wife's mom's favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. So because Mm. it's her favorite holiday, because it's literally a holiday where to her, where people just Mm -hmm. sit around and talk, there's none of that gift exchange. And there's none of like the anticipation of what needs to be done. It's it's basically mm-hmm. just people like hanging out and talking or watching football because that's the main thing mm-hmm. that the guys watch football mainly and the girls like sit and talk at the table. So I think Japanese people are a little bit confused because we think about this as being thankful to God for what we have. So is there no religiousness behind this? Um, yeah, there's really it's never it's never been i mean we say prayers before meals but that's that's a lot of meals like that's most meals like that's not a it's not a specific like i think when it started out that's what it was thankful of like the pilgrims were thankful that they made their voyage and they made friends with the indians before they took everything they owned but like mm-hmm. you know you know fucking people with the indians mm-hmm. they did by the way, like if there's yeah. any Native Americans that are listening to this, like I'm not getting into it, but like mm-hmm. what a horrible, horrible deal that is. And like that, and, oh. I, and I think like it's transformed into this thing where it's just mm-hmm. people getting together and being thankful for family. And I think that's really where it sits now. For us here in Japan, because we have no idea or no concept of what Thanksgiving is, this is not really a special time of year for us. We don't have any big holidays or anything going on. And as you mentioned, football is like a big thing at this type of year. Is it just because the National Football League realized everybody's home, let's put a game on? Or was it historically, like ever since you can remember, like Thanksgiving Day was the day of the game? Or like, yeah, what's like, that all about? It's always been that the Detroit Lions play one game and the Cowboys play another game. Oh. And 
football has become so big that now it is three games. So you can literally watch football for like almost nine hours straight. Oh my God. And on top of that, we also have like basketball and hockey in yeah. season now, right? So do they also have um, games? I think they try to stay away from it because it's pretty much like been established as a football holiday. I see. I see. Not that, they, not that they don't, not they don't have games, but it's certainly not on that scale. You know, when I think about how you describe it and all the family gets together and we talk and we don't really do much, that would be the same as what Japanese people do on New Year's Day. That's the New Year's Day gotcha. celebration here, which is kind of strange. Yeah, we don't have a countdown. There's no big countdown deal. There's no like celebration at the end of the year. And there's nothing like that. You know, you sit around with your family, you watch TV, you sleep in on New Year's Eve. And on New Year's Day, you go to your, well, somebody in your family, just as you mentioned, there's like one central place. Everybody gathers there. They have a big meal and they have like a big spread and you just sit around and talk and the TV stays on in the background. But there's no games or anything like that, but it's a very, very similar. So that would be our New Year's Day holiday here. Okay, today, the reason why we're talking about this is because we want to talk about a match which was featured on Thanksgiving yes. Day, right? And so this match that we're going to talk about today is on Thanksgiving Day. But before we get into our match today, you know, I wanted to do a interesting topic because one of the combatants in today's match was somebody who was on the track to be a megastar. He was on his way and then unfortunately got involved in a terrible, terrible car accident. I remember being a young child and seeing photos of it in a magazine. Now that I'm older, I wonder if those magazine photos were faked and I wonder if it was like him drunk driving or doing something stupid. Like, I don't know what the reality was, but I remember seeing in the magazine just this horrific accident. And the fact that he walked away from it was like a big deal. Do you know much about what happened to Magnetia? Yeah, I just know it was a, a horrible car accident. And I remember like, so at this time, I'm still just a young Mark. Like, I don't know anything. And I remember like, I've probably owned... 200 wrestling magazines in my life from when I was a kid. I used to buy PWI and, mm -hmm. Pro, you know, and, and Inside yeah. Wrestling. And I remember the one cover of Nikita Koloff and it said, I cry for Magnum TA. And like, he's all, he's all <laughs> like teared up. And I, I, I believe he generally felt sorry for him, but like, as somebody who didn't understand heels and faces hung out with each other after the matches, I was like, oh, my God, like right. the biggest Russian monster heel feels bad for this tragedy. <laughs> so, yeah, so he is a guy who is on his way to glory and could have been one of the greatest stars in the history of business. He would have been a world business. champion. There's no mm -hmm. debate. Yeah. Right, right. And so he kind of, you know, spent a lot of time in rehabilitation and trying to recover. And by the time, apparently, he got, you know, back into good enough shape to work, he was like too old. It was just over for him. Like his time had passed. And so he's one guy who, you know, is a very famously known for having never had competed in a WWF or WWE ring. Okay. And so I thought, hey, this would be a good thing to search on the internet. Where's a list oh. of guys who haven't competed in the WWE or WWF? And so who are the best guys in the world who haven't competed there? Okay, so <laughs> I found the list brought to you by Sportster. Okay, and, you know, I looked at the list and it's a kind of 
absurd in places. And I put together my own list of like equally absurd names, but like there are some glaring observations that like people missing from this list that I have to talk about. So I'm going to give you the list first, and then I'm going to go through a couple of guys that I think who deserve to be on this list. And then I'm going to give you a bunch of names that I thought never competed in the WWE or WWF and should have had a shot whether they were going to be stars or not stars. And so there's, we're going to go through a bunch of guys today. Okay, so the top 10 guys, according to Sportstar, who never worked in the WWE, number 10 on their list, exotic Adrian Street. What do you think about him? We've talked yeah. about him before once. Yeah, I, yeah. He, was, he was just ahead of his time, right? Like, right. If, he, if he makes it to the WWE, if he's in his prime during mm. either like the cartoony 80s or the Attitude Era... Like right. that guy's got really good mic skills. Like he he probably would have been upper mid card, right? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. He's way too far ahead of his time because when he's doing this in the WWE, you've got like Junkyard Dog and you know <laughs> Paul yeah. Hogan and Mr. Wonderful. Like there's not there's no there's no space for this. It's confusion. Almost. Well, they right? tried to they tried to rip him off, right, by doing Adrian Adonis. Adrian right? Adonis, right? Uh, yeah, they did. They, you're exactly right. They did Adrian Adonis to rip this off. It was a little bit later, and it didn't go over as well. And Adonis just it just he wasn't the right guy for it. Yeah, he wasn't the right guy. Agreed. Okay, number nine, great worker. Not in the sense that he can actually work, but his matches were great. His entrances were great. He had an aura about him. Number nine, Bruiser Brody. Yeah, Bruiser Brody's great. Like he could, like he could have worked. He could have worked anywhere. Like even without mic skills, like you could have mm. just put him with somebody to do mic stuff. I mean, he had some mic, but like not much. And you don't want a guy like that on mic. You want him to be a monster, right? And you at that time you brought him in, he would have been a reasonable challenger to San Martino. And he could have even worked Hogan a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there's lots of room to use a guy like this. He could have been one of the monsters you fit to Hogan, right? You wouldn't, yeah. I don't think he'd agree to that, but he, he fits that role perfectly. Perfectly. Okay, next, number eight, Magnum TA, the guy in today's match. You know, I didn't get a lot of Magnum TA because of where I lived. I didn't get a lot of coverage. I saw a lot of him through the magazine. I, I watched a couple of his matches. He never stood out to me as being, particularly outstanding but i'm watching him like afterwards like i'm watching him when i'm already in my 20s and i'm going back through history and you know i don't get a good understanding of how good he was for his time so i'm judging him by another time frame so that's not really fair what do you think about him he was so over like you have no idea like he was so over they did a best of seven matches i think it was for the u.s title with him and nikita koloff could you imagine anybody caring about seven matches in a row oh about any wrestler? Yeah. That's how yeah. over he was. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, he had the right look. He was right. Blonde hair, good physique, you know, kind of handsome. He actually, he could, like, even in today's match, even though we don't do see much, like, he he. You could tell he was athletic, right? So yeah. he, he was excellent. Okay, the next one on the list. And I think this is a strange person to put on the list only because there was nobody for this person to work at. Number seven, Akira Hokuto. Yeah, that's a, like, yeah, no shit she wasn't there. Like, who, <laughs> who, who is she going to, like, a, why don't you just put every Japanese star in one spot? Like, yeah, like. Right. 
That, yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, like it's yeah. right, it's right, but like yeah. you'd have had to bring in other Japanese wrestlers. Could you imagine her working Mula? Come on! Oh my God, <laughs> Wendy Richter okay. or anybody Wait, like we, that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonsense. Okay, number six. I think we're gonna also agree it's a good pick for this list. So far, the list has been quite good. Number six, Gino Hernandez. Yeah, Gino Hernandez was great. Like underrated guy. Like I just. I just, I don't know, like, I don't know. Sometimes when I see guys like this, I go, what were the backstage politics? Like, there has yeah. to be something else that holds a guy like this back. Was he, was he, like, was he into drugs? Was he drinking? Was he too much with the women and not focused on, like, because, like, there has to be All something. All of the above for him. <laughs> right. 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 There has, and there had to be something because he's a, he's a talent right out of the gate when you watch him. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, he also had it all. You know, I wonder if they had brought him in, like, you know, before they brought in Kerry Von Erich, you know, Kerry Von Erich was like this huge thing in the magazines and he had a lot of press behind him. He had that big match with Lawler that uh, I can't remember the pay-per-view they did together where they main evented. And so, like, you know, you're expecting he's going to come in, he's going to be this great thing. And he comes in and they just give him that stupid tornado punch and then he looks like a fake ultimate warrior yep. ripoff like you know like they they just used him badly so i wonder if they would have used you know hernandez properly but i think this is a good choice to have on this list like he deserves to be there he should have been there who knows what it could happen okay by the way on a side note yeah. the whole family is based on the iron claw how the fuck do you give that guy a tornado punch like i, I understand you try to rebrand stuff but like his whole family, literally in the whole lineage of wrestling, is known for this move. And why would you not go with something that's proven? Like it's proven, it works. It this people go crazy over it. Yeah. And so yeah, I I could understand if you bring somebody in from somewhere else and you don't think it's getting over, it's not getting the response you wanted, and so you give him something different. But it was over. It was over. Poor guy. I, you know, I felt bad for the guy. You know, yeah, he had sure. his own issues, but yeah, awful. Okay, the next guy on this list, I'm like, wait, where the fuck did this come from? Okay, number five <laughs> on this list. Think about this: we've had a- Exotic Adrian Street, Bruiser Brody, Magnum TA, Akira Hokuto, Gino Hernandez. So the next logical pick at number five, Kenny Omega. What? <laughs> I thought we were doing old school. <laughs> Guys, yeah. Well, I, well, well, I mean, I, I mean, if we're I gonna do guys, new guys, what am I gonna run? Jay White, right. the Young Bucks, Okada, like, <laughs> like I thought we were just doing guys that are retired. Yeah, I. You know what? This is kind of strange because his career is not over. He could end up going there. You know what I mean? Like sure. we don't know that he hasn't been there. Like all the, the rest of them are either dead or are not working anymore. So it makes sense to have them on the list. What a weird but, thing. Yeah, weird. So I. Of course, of course, he should be there. Of course, he should have worked there. Of course, you know, his skills are excellent, but uh, it doesn't fit in this list. I, yeah, strange, very strange. Number four, after such a ridiculous pick of Kenny Omega, then you have Gorgeous George. Huh. Yeah, sure. Like, like he, he's the predecessor of it all. Like, he invented all, like, all, a lot of this gimmick stuff. When you watch those old matches of him, I watched a match with him and Elio DiPaolo. And like, it's funny because like 80% of the matches, him doing his showboating nonsense and riling up the crowd. And like mm. a minute or two of it is like Elio DiPaolo whipping his ass and pinning him. <laughs> like, yeah. 
That was the formula, and it worked, and he was over. So, so over, so immensely was, over. Yeah. Fantastic. And I agree, you know, at that time, you bring him in, it would have been good. But the problem was, at that time, the promoter was not even Vince, it was his dad, and he was going for like a more like serious product, right? He didn't have many flamboyant kind of characters. Right. So his son would have definitely used Gorgeous George, but I don't think Gorgeous George was his dad's cup of tea, right? And so that that's the reason I think he would never have brought in. Okay, number three, uh, here's another guy who, you know, he was just born a couple of years too early. If he had been born 10 years later, he could have been a huge star in the WWE. Number three, Nick Bockwinkle. What do you think about yeah, Bockwinkle? Like, like, like I know, I know Mike's super high on Bockwinkle. I've never like he's he's skilled, mm-hmm. but my my I think my problem with Bockwinkle, and not that he doesn't deserve to be on this list, he clearly does, is that I saw him late in the AWA. Yeah, right. So all so most of my exposure to him is him way past his prime, and I'm like, why are they fucking putting this belt on this old guy? Uh, because I have because when I'm young, right, I have no history of how long he's been in the sport, what he did previously. I only see him. He doesn't have Heenan at this time. Heenan is already in the WWE at this time, right? right so right. like I, so I miss him completely out of his prime and without the greatest manager of all time. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. When I go back and I look at his historical stuff now, I really appreciate who and what he is. But when I was young, I was like, this guy. Why do you want this guy? Like I was, I was just, <laughs> right. yeah, the same way, exactly the same way. Okay, number two, this answer is not even the correct answer because it doesn't fit. <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> okay. Number two, the Midnight Express. So two of the three Midnight Express guys actually worked in the WWF because you have Stan Lane and Jim Cornette both working there. Only Bobby Eaton does not work in the <laughs> WWE. So would you put Bobby Eaton on this list by himself? No. And so- the Midnight Express are on this list at number two. What do you think about them? I don't think, here's the problem. They're not going to come in as the Midnight Express. Right. They're going to come in as, I don't know, like two hillbillies. Like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are the only people to survive that, right? Like right. I remember I remember when Bad Company came in and I'm like, oh, they signed Bad Company from the AWA and they came in as like an Oriental team right. managed by Mr. Fuji. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like when the Minnesota Wrecking Crew came in, yeah. they came in as the Beverly, Beverly Brothers. Brothers. right, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so like there's no way that they're going to come in as the Midnight Express. So it doesn't really matter. Agreed. I think this is a terrible pick. And then the number one pick, I think we agree. I think almost everybody says, you know, this is a guy who should have been in the WWE. He fit the style. He fit the look. He did everything. Any guess? Hmm. Who's the one guy you think in his career deserved to be the WWE? He's a big star all over the world, but also in North America. And he's from Japan. And he's outstanding, but he never, ever worked in the WWE. That could be because of our list, because yeah. of our knowledge, that could be so many people. Right, I'm right. not going to guess. Okay. Who do you got? That great Muda. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think there's no, yeah, no, there's no, no debate. Yeah. Like he, but the, again, the problem is where, when do you put him in? Cause Muda's way too, like, look what they, they had Sabu just a little past his prime. Yeah. And although like, and they're in the hardcore era mm. and he doesn't work well because he's he's doing way too much stuff. 
Yeah. So what do you take out of Muda's arsenal to make him fit in the WWE? Like, pick the era you're putting him in. Right. And then tell me what – like, you're definitely taking out the handspring elbow, right? Yeah. You're definitely taking out cattle mutilation. Like, what moves do you have left? Yeah. How much time you give him in the ring is a problem here, right? Like, in WCW or NWA, they gave him time to have long matches, 20, 25 mat- minutes a match. So he could do everything. But you're right. You put him in a match for four minutes, what does he have? And so uh, he needs to build it. So I agree that he's not a like a good fit maybe for that time, but he's definitely a guy that I think people would have said, oh, I wish I could have seen him in the WWE, WWF. Okay, oh, so- he's one for sure. I don't think there's a debate. Right. Okay. So the list is not bad. You have a strange pick of like Kenny Omega in the middle here and then Akira Hokuto who don't belong and then Midnight Express are wrong. But this... In terms of as far as lists go, this is as good this as is one of our better lists. There's no doubt. <laughs> right. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So I, right away, I looked at this list and I was like, hold on. There's a couple of guys here that are missing. The first guy that came to my mind, based on like the rough kind of credentials that this list had, the first guy was Abdullah Butcher. Yes. Never had a shot. I thought he could have been there. Another monster you could have fed to Hogan or even San Martino. You know, or Backland. There's guys he could have worked with at that time as well. Thought he was great. Thought he could have been a global star. He worked a little bit in WCW, but he did like that stupid cage match where they electrified him. (laughs) That was a one-shot deal. Yeah, And then, so I thought he was good. Uh, What about Abdullah Butcher? You think he deserved a shot in New York? I don't, I don't know where he fits. That's the problem, right? Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know, like, it's the wrong era. Like, he... He has to be violent. Mm, mm. Like, he absolutely has to be violent. And how do you let him be violent? And he's a guy, just like Bruiser Brody, you can't take his name away from him. You have to let him be Abdullah yes. Butcher. You can't just give this guy a new name because the whole world knows him as Abdullah Butcher. You're not going to make him like, I don't know, Mahatma. Oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think they would bring him in because they brought in Kamala as Kamala, right? Right. Yeah. So I think they, I don't know what happened there. Missed opportunity. The next one, not as good as Abdullah Butcher, but again, the same vein, Tiger Jeet Singh. You know, they brought in his son, which was a huge disaster. Oh. But, oh, it was Tiger Ali Singh. But Tiger Jeet Singh, you know, he was over. He was big. He had the right size. He had the right look. Could have clearly worked for McMahon, I think. Another guy missing from this list. Thoughts on Tiger Jeet Singh? Yeah, I thought he was good. Like, I thought he... Like, I've watched a lot of the old Sheik and Tiger Jeet Singh matches since we've been doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. And, like, just the crowd reactions like they don't need to like back then like if you had a solid gimmick like when people hated you you were just over right and i think he's really and i think he's really got that he's excellent for that excellent and you stole my thunder the next guy on the list was the sheik same way right the say he's just very over and he had a big following in detroit so you know the northeast would have really really gotten on board why he never worked in the wwf wwf i guess even i have no idea so another guy you know, deserving man yeah i just watched that i recently i watched that documentary i think it's i like to hurt oh people. isn't it good it's so good oh, my oh it's so God. good like he looks so, so cool like when he's sitting in the taxi all 
like decked out. It's like looking at a young Sabu, right? He looks so yes. fucking cool. Holy shit. Uh, when we saw him, he was like an old broken down old man. Like he's barely walking. Yeah. And so like, it was hard to like re put that together. Like that's what he was like. It's the Bachwinkle thing, right? Yeah, exactly. The exactly same phenomenon. You're right. You're right. Okay. Then the next guy on my list, I think this is a no brainer. I'm like, wait, I don't remember this guy ever working the WWF, WWE. And he's the biggest name, I think in North American wrestling, Maybe ever Luthez. So I go and I search Luthez in the WWE. And what do I find? I find that in 1987, he did a <laughs> celebrity senior battle royal for the WWF where they brought back every old timer, including Bachwinkle, in that match. What? <laughs> yes. And I've never even heard of this match. And, and, Luthez goes over and he wins this Legends Battle Royal. It's it's a who's who of Oh, I'm definitely oh, I'm typing it in right now. It's a who's who of like the legends. And at the end, he greets Pat O'Connor and then he like shakes his hand and he says thank you. And then he exits the ring. And I've seen Vince McMahon have an interview with Luthez before I think it must have been like the early I want to say early 80s. And this is before they broadcasted Luthez versus Ricky Dozan on like their classics channel. And it's just McMahon interviewing him. And you can tell McMahon is ready to piss his pants with excitement that he's sitting there talking <laughs> to Luthez. Like it's rare you see McMahon like excited about being in the presence of a wrestler, right? Like he talks to Hogan, he talks to whoever. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't fanboy ever. He was fanboying like crazy. Like crazy. And I'm sure it's because of the influence says had during his father and even his grandfather's generation. And so he's appreciative of what Luthez had done. You've got to find that interview. I'll find it. I'll send it to you. You'll be like, holy shit, McMahon is like like one of us he's like really really he, right. he knew everything about luthez like everything i was like wow <laughs> that was really cool so yeah so luthez but actually he worked a match so he doesn't qualify on my list do any other legends come to mind for you off the top of your head about guys who i i, I discluded like i discounted misawa kobashi all those kinds of guys because you know like yeah. yeah they're not names in north america that ever got over and so Sure, they could have got over if they come here, but this is not what this list is, I think. Any other guys missing from here? There is one guy. There is one guy that could have came in, keep his name, mm -hmm. and he absolutely would have been over, mm -hmm. and that's Nikita. Right. Nikita Koloff comes in. His father is the – well, his father in quotes, or uncle, mm -hmm. is is a former WWE world WWF w world WWF, champion. right. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah world champion like he's already pedigreed people are going to know him from wcw mm -hmm. like like that guy would have been over in a second you could have made him a heel you could have made him a face yeah like i never understood why i'm sure he has his reasons yeah but like man like i think he would have been incredible in wwe so I agree with you 100%. I thought his run in NWA was outstanding, really, really impressive. And he fit the time. He fit everything perfectly. The market he was in in the NWA was too small for him. He deserved a bigger market. And you're, you're right. No doubt. Agreed. Okay, and then there's a guy, before I go to my kind of mini list, 
there's a guy who should be on this list. Okay, he's not on this list, but because he wrestled in the WWE, but he never should have. He should be number one on this list, and that guy is Sting. Yeah, he should be. Yeah, Sting. This the Sting run in WWE doesn't count. Right, I know. Right, like he did. First of all, why they had him job to Triple H is no matter how much money they put on the table for you. Like, I, I guess at some point, like as Ted DiBiase says, everybody has a price, right? Everybody has a price. But, right. you know, I I think he destroyed a little bit of his legacy by coming in and doing the job there, even though he goes pretty much over the match because he does, the, he takes the pinfall, but he really, really controls most of that match. I just don't like that he did the job. And then he did a little program with uh, Seth Rollins before getting hurt. And so th- those two things are kind of, you know, I think most people don't even remember his, they remember his entrance. They remember the buildup. And so we saw him in the WWF environment, but he's the one guy who should be or should have never gone there. And I think tainted his legacy. W- what do you think about all that? Yeah. Like, and, it, and, and they misused him, right? Yeah. Because, they're showing in AEW that there's a way you can use Sting to still make the crowd pop and be excited. Right. Like, I think it was more of a fuck you to WCW to bring him in and have Triple H beat him, which is which is pretty petty considering how far after the fact it was. That's right. That's right. Like, I, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, You know, when I think about the greats in this sport, you know, in my mind, at least, Triple H's name doesn't come in the top hundred guys, right? Like he, I know they tried as right. much as they can to get him over, and they gave him big wins. They gave him a run, a couple of runs. They, he just doesn't fit in that upper echelon. And so, why Sting agreed to do that? Because it, I don't know. Because it doesn't even after that, you still don't think of Triple H that way. He's not even putting Triple H over in the long run. So why? This all happened is very confusing for me, so I was not satisfied with that whatsoever. Uh, it's a it's a shame. It's a shame. Okay, now I'm going to give you my mini list. Okay, now these are guys that I think could have gone and worked in the WWE, might not necessarily have gotten over, but they had a place somewhere in the card, and some of the names are going to strike you as strange. But bear with me. The first guy, Mike Sanders. Mike Sanders. <laughs> yeah, hardly anybody remembers him. He was at WCW. He was at the end during the Russo run. He wore jean shorts and he was... I want to say you've brought this guy up before for something else. Maybe, but he was really, really, really good. But apparently he had some kind of backstage politics issue. And when WCW got bought out, he just kind of disappeared. Okay, what we'll do is we'll do a Mike Sanders match in the future and you'll get a sense of who okay. I'm talking about. Okay, so Mike Sanders, you don't remember him. The next guy, no. you're going to say, fuck no, but I really think he could have gotten over in a way like the honky-tonk man got over, Disco Inferno. Disco Inferno. He could have, yeah, I guess, if you, yeah, because he would fit in with the goofy age when you have like, Max Moon and Saba Simba and 
Like you could have, he could have easily fit in as a mid Valvinus. Right. Like he could have, yeah, he could have fit in for that for sure. You could have even done like the upgraded version of the honky tonk man and gave him a huge run with like a a low level belt. And it's annoying that people aren't beating him just like they did with the honky tonk man. Have him come out and do his little dance. You absolutely could have did that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next guy, I think nobody other than me thinks he deserves a spot here. But he did really well when he was in WCW in the cruiserweights for a little while. <sighs> Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah, I like, see, I like Whipwreck because he's the underdog story. Like the way they told that story in ECW when he wins the world title, like outstanding. He's not a, he's not a believable world champion. Right. But how he got there yeah. is believable, yeah. if that makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah. I don't think you copy that story with him here. And I think he sold it well to show, like, I'm not skilled. But when he got to WCW and you watch his cruiserweight matches, they're quite good. He actually can work really well. So, yeah, so he's yeah. a guy who could have fit somewhere. He's not going to be selling out stadiums or doing anything big. But I think he deserved a shot. He never got one. Okay, the next guy, I think we're in agreement. I don't have to ask you too much about him just because of his look and his hype and all that. Vampiro, you know, he, he he's yep. a no-brainer. The next one, I, I maybe you're on the fence about this guy, and I think there's a place for him, but you have to use him right, and his criminal record doesn't help. New Jack. Yeah, like New Jack's never going to... Um, you're never going to get him to play ball. Like, right. I don't know if I ever told you the story about him in the Indies later after ECW folds. There's this story that I heard. He makes this guest appearance on this mini. He just goes backstage to see some of the boys mm-hmm. that he knows. And, and the promoter calls a meeting and he goes, look, I know you think it would be funny to call out new Jack in a promo, he is just visiting back here. And before he gets here, I want to tell you, don't fucking call him out because that motherfucker will come mm-hmm, to the ring mm-hmm. and chaos will yeah, ensue. Yeah, yeah. He was, Do mm-hmm. not, under any circumstances, yeah, call very him Very unpredictable out. and maybe, I think, difficult to deal with from a management perspective. And so it's unfortunate because the crowd loved him so much. Oh, my God. He was so he was probably one of the most over guys yes, in ECW. Agreed. agreed. Then from there, my next choice is also a D- an ECW guy, right? But this guy, the reason why I put this guy in this list is he's the first ever foreign guy to be featured on the cover of Gong magazine. He was so over in Japan, so over all over the world. But the amount of time that he was over for was like one week. And his name is Steve Carino. I like, I like Carino. I think, I don't know why he didn't get a better push. Like, my my favorite Carino thing is they've been talking nostalgically about ECW a lot in the last couple of years, and Carino put a Twitter out that's a tweet out that said, um, "I you know I was ECW heavyweight champion," and Heyman fucking responded and said, "Worst booking mistake of my life." <laughs> yeah, you know he got over by being like some big champion in Japan. I don't remember if it was all Japan or. I don't think it was New Japan, but it was some very big promotion that he won their heavyweight title and they put him on the cover of Gong Magazine. That was like a really big deal. And there was a time, I want to say 2002, 2003, after ECW folded, he came to Japan. He was super, super over, but it last, the window was short. And then he just kind of faded away. I don't know what happened from there. Kind of quickly. And it's weird because he has, like, I just pulled it up. He has like 30 or 40 
title range yeah, is a lot like uh, like like across the like mm-hmm. the world like 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 he's got like he's got like an nwa world title right. run in here he's got like just a ton of yeah, stuff so you know maybe there's no place for a guy like him World was World One yeah. big at any time? I see World One heavyweight oh. champion here. Not all Japan. Uh, it might have been World One. I'm not sure what that was. Moved. That might be why he was there because he was a champion of like a federation that was just starting. But I remember he was on the cover. Yeah, gotcha. And so like he had his moment, but he, they never brought him in. I don't. I don't know why. And he's got great mic skills, right? Outstanding. Like, Outstanding. That, that's the main. Like that's the thing they always talk about. Mm-hmm for wwe is the the mics like especially in those areas it's mic skills above ring skills right right in that sense he's a good fit and so yeah i don't know why we never saw him so these are the kind of like mid-tier kind of like mid-level guys that never got a shot that should have had a shot that could have gotten over you know i'm not going to mention you guys like the young bucks and the new briscoes silly. so but like any other guys come to mind for you that never got a shot from the mid card or even like famous guys that could have or should have had a shot man i don't i i don't see why james mitchell was never brought in oh right sinister minister right yeah like i think like i think you could have done something with the undertaker right oh like good. At, yeah at any at any time whether he gets him from paul bear or when when paul bear leaves with mankind or like Shit, they could have made him kane's father and had like ms <laughs> step brothers instead of brothers right <laughs> yeah that would like be- there's a thousand things you could have did with the undertaker with him right right yeah i agree that's a- another good choice yeah so like there's a couple of guys actually in history who never ever had the chance to work in the wwe i think we've got a pretty exhaustive list if there's anybody out there who comes up with solutions for guys in North America who were not ever in WWE who deserved a shot, send us a line. We'll love to discuss your ideas. Let's get into this week's match. This week's match is from Starcade 1985. It's Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA in an I quit match. And Jim, I took my iPad out. I sat down in front of my TV. I watched the match once. I usually watch the match once. Then I go back and I watch it a second time to make notes. I looked at my iPad after the second time. And I only have one note for this entire match. (laughs) 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 Which is fine. So uh, there's actually not not much. There isn't a single body slam. It's a street fight. Yeah, or a suplex or a drop toe hold or even a rest spot. There is fucking nothing that happens in this match. And we've had matches before where we've said, oh, like, this was not a good match. Like, not much happened, or there wasn't a lot of action. Nothing happened. And it's like, <laughs> nothing, nothing <laughs> happened. So the match starts right away. And the greatest thing about this whole match is the ring announcer. Oh, my God. This guy is so fucking inappropriate with the things he's saying. 
by today's <laughs> standards and the way he looks. And like, it's just like, I don't know, pedophilia central. There's just something <laughs> off about him. That struck me as really, really <laughs> odd. Did it hit you the same way? Yeah, he was a little much. Uh, the, the other thing I have written down is I love the fact that they just go, the vastly popular Magnum TA. Forget that. <laughs> when he pointed at Baby Doll and he said, his manager, Baby Doll, yes, a perfect 10. I was like, what? <laughs> well, well, a perfect well, well, a, a perfect 10 is her nickname. Oh, I see. So that so that might be the disconnect. I see. I always thought not that, he, not that he did not that he didn't mean it. You're right. <laughs> I see. I always thought she was just a baby oh, doll, funny. and that was his commentary that's, because he he oh, made the commentary funny. on the other guys, right? Like he said, as you said, like he made those strange kind of comments about Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard. So I figured that was just a strange comment about baby dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how you could catch that out of context, though. Oh, That's hilarious. It was bad. Okay, then, as usual, we talk about the commentary, and then we talk about the referee. Fucking Hebner. Where the... This fucking guy's everywhere. (laughs) 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 Fucking in every single federation, in every time zone. He's like... You ever watch that show, Quantum Leap? (laughs) (laughs) Hebner's like fucking Quantum Leap. He's everywhere all the time. That's amazing. Yeah. He always does a good job, but in this match, for some uh, fuck, oh, we're gonna get to it later. But like, what the fuck? The stuff that happened with Hebner was just ridiculous. Okay, so th- they have a, like a strange thing going on. Then in the commentary booth, we have a very, very young Tony Shivani, and we have a very, very experienced Bob Cottle. And I've reviewed matches before on this podcast where I had Bob Cottle and Gordon Soley together. They work so fucking smoothly together. They're really great. It sounds amazing together. And I don't know if it's because Tony Shivani's too inexperienced. His voice is so fucking high-pitched. I don't know if he's <laughs> inexperienced or if they just don't know each other well or didn't get along well. But this pairing didn't come across well, right, in commentary. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's just new, right? And mm-hmm. and, by, and by, by the way, getting back to Hebner, there doesn't even need to be a ref in this match, right? Yeah, there's no need for him. Like, you just need the microphone. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all. Okay, and so the match starts right away, and <laughs> right away, they just go straight to the cage. Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard start throwing themselves into the cage and blading within the first 10 seconds. Like, there's, they just go right into the cage, blade, and now it's a bloodbath, and they just punch each other over and over and over and over and over for the entire duration of this 15 minutes. And out of nowhere, for some reason, they grab the mic and they ask, do you quit? Do you quit? Say you quit. And he's like, no, no. And like that was it. But the note that I have in my notes in my iPad, I might have to edit this out. So Okay. okay so my note is, why does it look like Magnum TA is trying to force feed his penis into <laughs> Tully Blanchard's mouth every time he asks him if he quits. He, he grabs the mic while standing up, holds it in front of his trunks, and holds his head up to the mic and says, do you quit? Every single fucking time. It's never. It's not like just a one-off occurrence. It's really, really strange. Did you realize that? No. 
<laughs> go back and watch it. You'll be like, oh, yeah. Like, at first, the very first time he does it, it's a really bad camera angle. So I'm like, okay, this is bad camera oh work. But then when I went back and watched it again the second time, I'm like, no, maybe this fucking guy's doing it on purpose. What the fuck? It was really, really weird. And so it's I called it like the the penis submission. And so he was, <laughs> he was trying to do a penis submission throughout the whole match. And, uh, it just, Oh my the, God, that, that's amazing. Oh, it was incredible. And then, uh, you know, they just go back and forth. Do you quit? Do you quit? Do you quit? And then Tully Blanchard gets frustrated and out of nowhere, he strikes Hebner. Yep. Right. So he strikes Hebner. Then Hebner takes a bump. And then I think Hebner is not sure what he's supposed to do. After a few minutes, he gets back up again. Then Telly Blanchard makes him take another bump, <laughs> which is really weird. And then when he's down for the second time, a chair comes in the ring. They did a nice spot where Blanchard breaks the chair apart and he's going to drive the, the chair into Magnum TA's head. But Magnum TA somehow recovers, gets the piece up, puts it in his head, and then he says, I quit. Like, there was like the fuck, there was nothing to this match whatsoever. I'm going to, for the first time in my life, I'm going to rate a match minus five stars. This is fucking. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the worst match I might have ever seen in my life. And that's saying a lot. Oh my God. What do you think? Yeah. I, oh my God. That is so funny. Like, you know, and I haven't watched this match uh -huh. in a super long time. And it's like a, it's a very, very, very famous Starcade match. Yeah, and, super famous. And the, and the crowd is like crazy over, and it's a throwback to the older wrestling of just brawling. And yeah, it doesn't hold up for shit. Yeah. And and the thing, and the other thing you missed is Magnum's timing is off. If you mm. watch Tully go to hit him where he's going to try to drive it into his head, right. Magnum puts his hands up early. Yeah. That's, and, yeah, then yeah. Tully, yeah, yeah. and then Tully resets, mm -hmm. which like takes away the dramaticness of it. Uh, um, I did I did love when Tully was hitting him in the head with the mic. Uh, yeah. And it was right, making boom, that boom boom noise, boom right, noise right. when he asked him to quit. And he mm -hmm. said no. And that was good. But like, yeah, like it's not it's not the dog collar match of Valentine Piper, not at right? All. Not, like, at all. not at all. It wasn't revolutionary for its time. We had lots of cage matches like this. We had I quit matches before. So you can't blame it on inexperience. Like there was guys already doing this kind of stuff. And these are two of the greatest workers of that time uh, too. It was, oh, it was awful. What would you say? Would you say like you, I agree you, you said it didn't hold up, but like, how would you rank it today? Like, what would you say about this? I think I, I give it a NA because mm. you can't, I can't rank it during now. Right. Like, like, it's not, like, nothing, they would never have a match like this where people just fought. Well, they would they would call it, like, that weird shoot fight match or whatever, the underground or the right, pit. Right, right. Like, and even, and even those matches have wrestling yeah, moves. Yeah, that's right. There was not a single wrestling move here. I, I'm going to tell this to our audience. Don't go watch this match. Just trust us. <laughs> it's a total fucking waste of your time. Total waste of your time. Just know that it was famous. I didn't realize you were going to have such a fucking negative reaction to it. Oh, yeah. Like, I like both guys too, which is strange. Like, I, I, you know, I like the way Magnum TA looks and I like the way Tully works. And so I thought this could be something good. So I was really eager to watch it. 
but uh, maybe my expectations were too high, but it was fucking, oh, everything was bad. <laughs> <laughs> bad ring announcing, bad commentary, bad ref work, and it's Hebner in the ring. Then you had a bad finish, bad bumps. You didn't have a single move. Like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Six Man Podcast. You can tag in with a DM. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to us at sixmanpodcast at gmail.com. For now, it's time to tag out. <laughs>